Hey guys, welcome back to the Luminous Arts. I spend the next hour and a half talking to a good friend of mine, David Glixman. He's the director of creative technology at Gensler's DXD department in LA. They're doing some really next level installations in some of the world's most impressive architectural projects. David's an incredibly creative guy and he's been part of the scene from the beginning. He started with VFX and motion graphics and he moved into the digital placemaking industry a few years ago when he took the helm at DXD. Our conversation is great and we get into the weeds on what it means to truly be creative and an artist in this industry. I love this conversation and I bet you will too. It's, it's a, it's a really, the, the media walls time has arrived and it, they're going everywhere. Yeah. It's really weird for me coming from motion graphics and VFX entering the architecture world and then watching my world come slam up against that world. So, like, you know, teaching this... architects what media is, is like really, it's really something. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 um, we, we called it convergence in the show production industry and it's happening in the architectural industry now with, uh, with, you know, show production technologies and like, like technologies of the stage and also, mm -hmm. um, cinematic technologies. Um, I've worked in so many fucking microcosms of the same world that don't talk to each other. So yeah. like, like this weird ass freelancing career, I've been in every corner of this like broadly defined media entertainment and now architecture built environment like world. And we all use the same tools and we all do the same stuff and just none of them talk to each other. I'm so glad to see it finally, you know, coming together. Yeah. Yeah, man. I would be so curious to talk to the, the, the engineers on that project that you're working on just because like, for example, what are they using to get signal up to those upper screens? Is it like a slip disc, you it know, like a slip, exactly disc a slip disc, but a very exotic one that had to come from a, very small company, very far away over a very long amount of time. Um, it's just a super high. Well, okay, I can I can super nerd out about this with you. Um, the really big challenge is driving uh, driving Dragview LED using technology that needs a straight home run. Even though it's over an Ethernet cable, you can't go through switches. You can't go through anything. Um, so we actually have the the like Novastar, you know, LED drivers inside the sign locally spinning around with it. And then we're piping oh, video over yeah, then we're piping SDI, which is more robust and can go through slippery. I can I can I can nerd out deep about this if you want. But uh, Well no 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 let's let's I could describe do that it all day. <laughs> let's just describe it. I'll let you describe it in a way that, that you're comfortable describing it, just so people can visualize what we're talking about. Sure. And well, then I want to uh, introduce it. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, uh, have we started? Are we talking? This is how we start these things, man. We literally <laughs> just start it. talking and I hit record. And then at some point we do an introduction and... Uh, oh shit, we've been talking for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's how it works. Yeah, well, uh, okay. So we are building for a, you know, they're not like the world's sexiest client, but they are large and they're super smart and they are tech and forward thinking. Uh, they're based out of Arizona. And because this is all super NDA, you know, there's probably all the more I can say, but a, a really lovely bunch of people who don't otherwise know much about media have 
decided to embark on a crazy journey with us. And in their new headquarters, uh, we are doing, is it three or four? I think we just landed on three. I can't believe I've been in, on this project a year. I'm also completely fried at this point. Um, we are doing a number of installations for their new headquarters. Uh, the first of which is this giant sign that welcomes you. They've got this two, two and a half story atrium. It's all glass and sunlight and air. And inside the atrium is this 30 foot high sign uh, with uh, four, two stationary and four rotating panels of LED super high res on the front and low res sort of interpreted imagery on the back behind diffusion. Originally it was going to be behind mirrored glass and it was going to look super sexy, but sunlight was going to make, you know, headaches for people. Um, and it's connected to a cloud-based CMS, pulling in a bunch of stories from their marketing departments and different communications platforms and just making like, you know, straightforward ass digital signage, but beautiful. We right. put a huge amount of work into all the touch designer like motion graphics to make all these stories transition in all sexy and there's this generative background that's flowing through um, the panels rotate in a way that's just breathtaking it was really important to me that we didn't treat anything like an engineering project it's all because my background is an animation project so i actually had uh, this really brilliant animator on our team do all of the kinetic sculpture, you know, animation. And it's just like a really, it's like a one dimensional, dimensional bot and dolly setup. So all of that was animated in Maya. Right. With just like a really sumptuous sense of, of motion and timing and ease. And it all spins around all of the media on their reactions or there's fake parallax counter rotating, you know, the graphics against the rotation in real time. It's just oh, a lovely, so cool. sexy thing. Then um, inside a little bit of a ways, we're taking that same graphics language and putting on a series of, we're calling them prisms. Uh, so there are these LG stretch displays. You've probably seen them. They're like 80 inches yep. wide. They're, they're, yep. they're, they're, they're 4K, but only uh, half of the width. So we have those mounted in portrait displays, and there's 16 of them, and they're all working in concert to do similar messaging through the place and then upstairs the third interaction is um a big old touch table which is pretty tired just throwing a touch table at something but then the touch table itself is i mean it would be tired to just throw a touch table at them but it's tied into more of these displays these giant uh 80 inch uh samsung plasma 4k mama jamas that are there's three of them mounted again in portrait orientation that's sort of cordoning off a little semi-private area. It's got a drop ceiling that uh, was going to be tied in with all the lighting and controls, but that got uh, value engineered away. Uh, and then there's this big touch table, and so sales bros can like lay out their story and invite everyone to come in and say, "Ooh, I'm interested in that," and "Oh, you do agriculture," and "Oh, you do this kind of cloud stuff," and you know they can put together a story, and then it casts up onto those big displays and they do all their marketing stuff. I'm talking in an excited way about probably our most boring project. But really, like, it sounds like a beautiful it's really, piece. No, it's going to be it really gorgeous. Does. It really is going to be gorgeous. It's just, um, it's, it's interesting the range of stuff we get up to and my ability to get excited about the work we're doing. Because uh, 
well, I can get all philosophical about it downstream. Well, dude, sure con content is really what makes it count. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one part architecture, the way you're, in, you're integrating the, the screens into the architecture, but then it's also about the content and how that mm -hmm. content is laid out on those screens because they work in context. You know, they yeah, work together and I to create an Oh, I think I got just enough delay. I'm going to spend this whole call like talking over you. No, it's but, okay. Um, I um I haven't found the right word yet, but my mission once I've found it is to make the word content forbidden, at least at our architecture practice, because it's it's um it turns into a box to check. Right. Like I know that you're talking about that coming from the right place and you understand the holistic beauty of imagery and physicality and motion and substance and weight and light and sound all being part of the same ecosystem of experience. But it's real yep. easy to say, yeah, we built you this building. We saved you a lobby. We're going to throw some screens on there and you guys are in charge of content. Oh my God, dude. Yeah, no, that's the, that's the <laughs> nightmare. And it's the, it's the ongoing struggle to educate clients that content is more than just a postage stamp video screen on a wall with an advertisement running on it. You know, so often these things are just thrown up there as an afterthought. They're like, oh yeah, yeah we'll put some screens up, you know, and it's we not- spent $2 million on the screen. We've got $35,000 for content. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, go exactly. fuck yourself. So Aww. listen, I want to introduce you real quick. Um, we met at the CODA Summit, but you're, um, you're in LA and you're working as the- What's your title at Gensler? It's it's in the DXD. It's department. actually changed since head. yeah, it's changed since we've met anyway. So I am the director of creative technology for the digital experience design practice area at Gensler in Los Angeles. It's hard for me to. We just had a giant reorg, and like there's um you know 150 of us now across the country, and now we've all come under one organizational like structure. It's, I don't know, it's all changed. It doesn't matter. I, I am working at the world. I'm coming from a background of being a motion graphics and visual effects artist and a weirdo maker and creative technologist. And now I'm working at the world's largest architecture firm. I have no idea how the hell that happened. But so wait, awesome. does that mean that the DXD department has now become one thing across all cities? It does. We don't even that, know what that means yet collectively, but that's, that's the, that's, that's what is happening. Interesting, man. That's, yeah. uh, you know, I was talking to the guys at the Rockwell group and they have an experienced design department as well. Oh you yeah. Know, they're badass. They are, man. Everybody's incredibly ins doing really inspirational things. And, um, I'm just really excited to see how Gensler, um, integrates and pulls that in and like, really makes it part of the design practice. Cause you know, we were talking about that when we met and how essentially Gensler is this behemoth and you know, they've tacked on this DXD thing because they know it's becoming a more and more important part of the architectural experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just how that's integrated, how that's, how that becomes, you know, um, part of the internal vernacular and part of the conversation <laughs> with, old school, you know, the lifers at Gensler. Yeah. It, it, it's fascinating to see. God, it's interesting to hear you say lifer too, because that's, that's also an interesting part of the dynamic. Like we're the weird young upstarts. We're coming here to like mess up everybody's day, but like 
it's really like shockingly well coming together. So like four years ago, Gensler DXD didn't exist. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting maybe it's five at this point because time is a fluid and strange thing, especially in the last couple of years for all of us. But like um, they like just like you said, they recognized that the digital was coming for them and they better figure it out. And they hired a couple visionary, you know, business development type folks. There's uh, Hans Neubert and David Kramer are running DXD at the highest level of the, you know, wearing blazers and talking to people level of of, of work. Um, and they are, they're they're both they're just super brilliant, like brilliant biz dev people who know how to start up a studio. And they have the vision and they have the growth curves and and all that stuff. Um, and for the first year, it was them and, you know, a few people in each city basically sitting at a desk with a phone trying to cause something to exist. And yeah. then within a year, there were and, – and, and in New York, there was more of a pilot program, and they were really actually off the ground running, like doing uh, some work right away. And then, you know, within a year after that, we had some small teams going. Uh, I came on right around then. I've been, I'm, I'm coming up, uh, June will be my third year here, which is the longest I've ever worked anywhere. I mean, I freelance for the better part of 20 years, so I'm already freaked out just being in a building with like a roof on it. So you said <laughs> it's your third year with Gensler? It's my third year with Gensler, yeah. Wow, and man. in that Amazing. time, it's gone from like, hey, building across the street, like we, uh, we have a relationship with those guys. They put up an LED sign. Can you like make some cooler stuff for it and like now we're doing let's see which which ones am i allowed to say we're doing massive amounts of work for netflix and warner media and this company in arizona we're doing things uh in the middle east we are doing uh the grammy museum here in la we're doing massive projects and tiny projects and intimate things and far out there things we're building uh, like the thing I just showed you, a 30-foot tall kinetic LED sculpture. Yeah. We've uh, grown into connected experiences. So we've hired some really brilliant people who just know how to get the building to talk to your phone, to talk to your you know, car, to integrate all of the hospitality and the like Disney magic band kind of thinking into you know, your trip to any office building. Hey, your lunch is ready. It's on the third floor. Here's the quickest route there, and I've already called you an elevator. Like we've got people doing that kind of work. It's so nuts. does that does that fall into DXD? Because to me, that's like that's digital twin stuff. Do you know what I mean? It, that's like yeah. that's connected. That's that's like that's that's. Um, there that's hasn't humanity. been a better home for it than DXD. So we're sort of the umbrella for all of the the interesting stuff, which is cool. Yeah, but I mean, you're you're right. That is that is. That is distinct from what I do, but we're, we're all, how do I put it? Uh, it's related. Any large, yeah, it's related. Any large firm like this is going to be broken up both regionally and by practice areas. So there's the people who do hospitality and there's airports and there's mixed use and work one and work three and all these different groups that are each brilliant in their own you know, isolation. And we are the cool kids that just talk to everybody. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. You know, it's funny because I make it a point to know everybody who's doing cool things. And what that does is it allows us to do cool things. You know, we've been pushing real hard into interactivity and um, mm -hmm. 
essentially building in interactivity to like media wall displays, creating reactive content uh, using LIDAR in order to, to do hand tracking on, on big displays, um, you know, do uh, pedestrian tracking uh, down mm -hmm. hallways and corridors. And uh, it's, yeah, it's like without the right people on your team, none, none of that happens. So whatever not only you're doing- do not, not only do you have to have the right people to know how to do it, but also to know what to do, which is really why it's really fun looking at your, your projects. Like just that, like if I have to walk up to another fucking wall and flap my arms to see a swirl of particles, I'm going to barf. But like the, <laughs> but the really subtle and wonderful things you can, I love that you called it reactive and not interactive. Like the ways you can get stuff to just respond on people and be alive it's so cool right now yeah well there's a there's a real renaissance happening in uh the world of sensors you know and, mm -hmm. and gestural control and um you know I, I was talking to alex from float four the other day and he was uh he, he's doing some really interesting things with um with his his media server which essentially is very much focused on on interactivity and taking in and parsing sensor data it's really oh, cool. Oh yeah, those sons of bitches wrote their own touch designer. It's amazing. We actually use it on a project. It's really deep. It's squirrely, and it's like all of their documentation is watch, you know, watch this uh, directory full of videos where two guys talk to each other, and uh, there's a weird like third guy just trying to like break it up and keep it lively, and like I could I couldn't do it, but I didn't need to. We paid them for their time, and they developed alongside us, and they were so freaking brilliant and like. What did you work anyway, with them on? I'm just curious. What what project? Um, did you can we disclose that one? Yes, maybe. I'll be I'll be slightly circumspect. But the yeah, um, general general uh, giant again. We it's weird. We're we're actually moving away from you know just straight up signage things. But this was a giant thirty foot. Oh, I showed you pictures of it. Um, for a major uh, entertainment brand you've heard of, their new lobby in Culver City. It's for giant like 30 foot high uh led plinths the ones that are each rotated 10 degrees yeah and there's um yeah there's uh super high res led on all four sides of each of four of these for like a something like a 16k canvas and so we needed four of their real media real motion servers I keep calling them real media which is insulting real motion servers um and like a bunch of sync between those servers and between their software and our software and between like a third party cloud software. It was a real like hairy beast and they just stepped up. So let me ask you a question. What made, like, what was it about their, their server software that made you choose them over like, I don't know, disguise or whatever, you know, like right. why, why, why use real, real sense? Oh, it was actually a terrible uh, decision process. It was a good decision, but like it was, we just got backed into it between, um, we were still learning. I mean, we were young relative to our, you know, practice. Like we hadn't done anything pushing that many pixels before. And we had a good, and still have a really good relationship with Electrosonic and the integrator. And they came to us and they said, okay, well, you're pushing a huge amount of pixels. There's only three, three ways to do it. You can use a, um, like an Alcorn McBride, like, you know, Soviet surplus, like machine where you just feed it compact flashcards and like, you know, they come from the rack world. Right. You know, there's these things that we use to do rides at Disneyland. Right. Where, you know, you feed it this one piece of media and it will play it back a hundred million times before you need to reboot it, but it also doesn't do anything else. 
or you could use the seven cents and they showed us like a whole they gave us a bunch actually set up a meeting and like they gave us their whole spiel about like here's kind of paradigms for interaction that I'm sure again would be wonderful if you were in the ride industry. Um and then there's real media, real motion shit, sorry. They're slow forward with their real motion system. And we really just bought it for their server hardware. Because it can be like, you know, serviced. So much of my job now, like like I said, I spent 20 years like doing and making and building and like writing my own code and soldering and being up on a ladder like at three o'clock in the morning. And now I'm specifying and diagramming and writing, you know, interaction narratives. And it's a whole different world. And so much of an architecture firm is about design. We don't build. We're not a design build shop. We're a design right. shop. So yeah. like, I can't just bash together my own like 4k you know four thousand dollar media server out of stuff from fries which doesn't exist anymore anyway like no i get it be... you need to specify a product that that makes total sense i was just curious because you know at this point there are quite a few server options and you know i i like alex alex is like oh yeah. i believe in him i believe in his his product and i believe in his his company and it's a uh, you know, I'm just curious to see how it fits together and like how people, well, in the... you know, I mean, the other part of it is uh, what kismet or, you know, fate, like it was, it was absolutely a stupid decision process, but I'm really glad that we did it and we found the right people. And like, they just, you know, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're from the fringes of like understanding reality anyway, right? Like we work in this sort of emotional idea space. And the right shit just comes to you eventually. If you put out if you put out the right kind of work and you put out the right kind of relationship with the people you work with, like you end up with the right tools and the right people. I mean, sometimes you don't, but but uh, no, it just keeps working out. No, that's cool, man. That's cool to see how how things have grown. It's funny because I am, you know, our our company is very much on the build, do, create. Um, you know, mm -hmm. kind of where you were when you were freelancing, but yeah, you know, but I'm doing... jealous of where you guys are at. Like it's, it's every from outside, everything you do looks super fun. It is super fun. And we're, we're doing some really cool projects. You know, we're doing some really big projects for us. It's, they're really big and they're, they're pushing us, you know, they're pushing the team to develop new skills and we're bringing in new team. And, you know, we actually just started working with Patrick Connolly, who is one of the founders of Obscura. Um, yeah. he, he's a, he's a he's a heavy hitter, man. He's a cool guy and he knows everybody and it's just you know, mm -hmm. helping to open doors. But, um, it's, it's a really unique, um, it's a unique time and, uh, things yeah. are changing really quickly. And there are a lot of, it kind of feels like the good parts of the nineties again, right? Just in terms of like the energy in the room for trying new things and being excited yep. by them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've noticed that there's a lot of companies that are, um, essentially digital signage companies that are moving into the space. And, uh, you know, digital ambience is funny because we've got these two different branches. One branch is the design build branch. And mm -hmm. the other branch is like custom hardware branch. And we've been doing more and more and more business developing like custom display hardware 
like cur- like crazy curved screens and and unique uh, dynamic LED PCBs and and well, that's sensor what you were array. Gonna do, that's what you were going to do for us before that job fell apart. I know, that man. But crazy it- ass projection rig with auto like self calibrating corner pinning projection mapping like yeah yeah yeah. Well, here's the thing though. It's like we could go and work directly for Gensler, or mm-hmm. we could go and we could work for VT Pro as a provider of integrated mm-hmm. systems you know what i mean and and we've been working for more and more companies like dcl boston um mm-hmm. uh, design and innovations out of uh kansas city um, yep yep you know, electrosonic here in the bay you know it's like it's weird and i'm not exactly sure where how it's going to all shake out but it's like i'm just pushing on these two different fronts and uh you know and things are moving oh so, that's really really good to I mean, everybody's super busy right now, so it's easy to feel like you're just swept up in the wave that everybody's riding, but, like, you guys, not only do you guys do good work, but, like, just the way that you run that place and relationships, like, I feel like it's your time right now. Yeah, it feels like it. It really does. It it definitely does. So what's, um, what's next? What's next for you? What are you excited about in the evolution of... Of Gensler, like whatever you can say, you don't have to tell me specifics, but like, you know, know. (laughs) Gensler seems like, you know, the DXD department seems like it's really coming together into a a cohesive thing. Yeah. What technology are you stoked about? Yeah. Do you mind if I take the long way around to answer that? Because please do, man. I'm excited about some specific stuff, but only because of why and how. So, like, I've, well, okay, no, let me give you the short answer first and then come back around to it. Like, the short answer is we are hitting an inflection point where suddenly we have just enough recognition internally. And when you're, when internal is 6,000 people like that, you know, that means a lot. Uh, they have a lot of resources to throw around and a lot of relationships to make available to us and things like that. Um, but We've been, and we've been growing. That's the thing. Like we hit, like I, I, okay, shit. I'm coming at this from too many places at once. My brain is shaking apart. Um, we, uh, you may recall that the world caught on fire a couple of years ago. I, I had, remember that. I remember the fire. I had, yeah. I had just essentially left the industry I grew up in and walked away from the better part of 20 years of being in, succeeding in, but like not really loving the, I've been, basically I was trying to get out of motion graphics for the entire time I was in it. Um, 20 years of, no, got to back up from that one even more. Um, I came from a fine art and technology background, that whole classic intersection of art and technology. But, you know, back before um, people were putting it on T-shirts, fucking Mason Rothschild at at Coda was just showing me a tweet that came across his feed while we were eating lunch. Like, hey, mom, can you pick me up? I'm at the intersection of art and technology. You know, but like I grew, I, I legitimately like grew up in that environment. And my, my dad came from the fine art world. He was a curator. He gave like artists like Robert Irwin and like, I mean, all these heavy hitters that you're hearing about now, Terrell, 
that whole world, Dan Flavin, like he knew those guys when they were grad students and like giving them some of their first shows. So that is art and technology. And then my, uh, I think I gave you this whole like background. My brother was born with a disability, uh, pretty severe. And so my, you know, before I was born, and so, you know, my family's whole life took a hard left. Um, my mom started a nonprofit to eventually to help people with disabilities get computers. My dad, uh, they actually met after my brother was born. My dad met my mom. She was a single mom with this disabled kid. It was like 1981. And he said, no, sorry, it was 1975 or six. And he's like, we got to get this kid a computer. Prove that he like is a you know because medical the medical world back then you got a disabled kid throw him in the river or you know put him in an institution <laughs> whoa or you know it was no it was dark it was dark times like the Americans with Disability Act um, you know came about at the end of the seventies like there was a lot of groundwork before like shit got better um, but, but sorry that's this is the very long route around but like you know. My dad left the art world, got into the digital world. My, you know, mom was all in, and I grew up in this fine art and technology world. By the time I came around, that part of like the light and space movement in the fine art world had essentially petered out, and everything was weird ass, you know, like, well, I mean, sure, the art world was still going through, but like it wasn't the stuff my dad cared about, and not the stuff that I care about. It's coming around again, but like by the time I was ready to enter the world and figure out what I wanted, the closest analog to making the world be different, like having this relationship to light and time and space and environment where everything is fluid and you're limited only by the bounds of human perception, like the only place to do that was VFX. So I came out of high school, I was like, I'm going to fucking work at ILM, I'm going to love this, I'm going to... You know, like I'm gonna I make think I found your IMDb fantasy. page. Oh no! Oh god! Yeah, yeah, There's man. Some terrible, terrible stuff in there. But like, I mean, VFX was really hard to break into, and I ended up in motion graphics. And like, okay, I am taking a very long route around. The reason take it. I'm taking short like the long route. No, 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 it's great. It's fun. This is I don't get to talk to people about this stuff. Um, yeah, but the reason I'm taking the long route around is that I've always been hunting for this way to re-engage with reality because like I never bought into reality all that much to begin with like you know too much acid before college like you just like you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna be connected to the world when you see either through art or through whatever else like everything else that human experience can be so got real excited about visual effects like this was toy story era like oh my god like Nobody drew any of those frames. This is all like my stuff. I grew up with, I grew up with computers slightly before everyone else. So I felt like this is my people. This is my time. Like we're making, it's happening. And like Jurassic Park, holy shit, right? That was a groundbreaking, but that was a groundbreaking, groundbreaking moment. Groundbreaking, yeah. right? Watershed moment in like understanding what kind of stories we can tell each other, what kind of visions we can see into the world. And like, it turns out that the VFX industry is like just as a as a practice, I wandered in for various reasons. I got more dialed into motion graphics than visual effects. I'm not a designer. I'm not an illustrator. I'm a I'm a technical guy, but like a very sensitive one. So I was always on the like super technical end. How do we get the Maya kids to talk to the cell animators to be able to get this 
Like I'll write a custom script that'll take these renders and treat it with this thing so that we can, and then we'll treat the cell animation with this other thing and then they'll all live in the same world and it'll all be beautiful and all that. That was fun for a long time, but it was a grind. Yeah. And VFX is and also most, very, it's, it's te- it can be tedious too. Oh, it's a tedious slug, crunch time all the time. Don't have a family, don't have a life, all of that stuff trapped indoors at four o'clock in the morning. I mean, we all love being trapped indoors at four o'clock in the morning working on something, but working on something I know what else. You're saying, though, man, you're just like you're in front of a computer for yeah. I I started with VFX as well, and I oh didn't get God, as I far as you did. Yeah, but like I know that I know the the you know the paradigm, and it's uh, right. It's tedious, but. But then I, you, then, I, then I assume you also know how at a certain point you realize, oh, shit, everything I've done for the last decade has been inside of a flat 2D rectangle. Yeah. I got to get out of here. Yeah. And, like, thank God, like, living in L.A., there wasn't – I mean, the hardest thing was doing this in L.A. because there wasn't a scene like there is now. There weren't places to go get jobs doing what we now call creative technology. Yeah. I could have if I lived in London or, like, maybe in Brooklyn – or like Amsterdam, you know, and like now you're making it work up in the Bay. Obscura was either not around yet or like they were too cool for me, you know. <laughs> but like I spent the last 10 years desperately trying to escape the flat rectangle. I would take a gig. I would work at like a place doing the coolest thing they had ever done. And then they would fold because it's too expensive to do that kind of work. Or or like I would get on the weird ass gigs. Like I worked on, um, you know, the the Disney on Ice things. They do uh, Marvel Universe Live. It's not even on ice, but they do arena shows. And like their last one was all video projection. And yeah. so like I would get on those jobs and tithes or like D three, which is now disguised into the, like the stage control system, and fly out to Florida. Which oh my God, there's a story. The largest building I've ever been in was a former decommissioned Siemens generator factory that's now the home of Feld Entertainment. They do Circus Vargas or you know, Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, all of the Disney on Ice thing, and motocross monster truck stuff, all out of the same <laughs> building. But we can drink and talk about that one another time. Um, but like always chasing, chasing, chasing these weird jobs, working on my own side projects, building stuff whenever I can, doing mechatronics and like time, but always with like this sort of motion graphics and animation spirit. And yeah. finally three years ago, I found this job through more, you know, universe is strange kind of circumstances. How and, did you find it? Because I'm really oh curious. My oh my God. I was doing another, I was, I was working at Buck. Super lucky to have gotten into Buck, best animation motion graphics company in the world, as far as as I know. Like, people would kill to get into this company. And I, like, you know, wandered in through the side door doing my tech stuff. Loved it. But, again, like, it was just not – motion graphics isn't where it's at in my heart. So, ultimately, it didn't work out. But I was on Facebook F8 conference. Um, We did this giant graphics package for them. Uh, that was integrated. We didn't do the stage design, but it was integrated into the stage design. They had there's something about 30 foot high LED screens. It seems to be chasing me. They had uh, if you see 2018 F8 conference, the whole stage was these giant 30 foot high direct view LED backdrops that were on motors so they could slide left and right. 
and like they actually parted and Zuckerberg walked through, you know, and I missed my chance to hit the button and just squish him like an ant, but like whatever. Um, we could have saved us all, man. Could have saved us all. And I was doing the graphics package for them, flew up there, worked with this really interesting kid named Sully on all of the like integrating the motion into the physical motion and, and yada, yada, yada. It was a great experience, but we were super burnt out. Went out for drinks with the production, like the production team from Facebook. And this one woman named Lizzie Shook had, you know, maybe she would have thought too much to drink. I thought just the right amount to drink, but was very talkative and uh, found out that she was actually just a freelancer for Facebook. And she's like, fuck, I got to get out of this world. This is terrible. Like, what are we doing here? Did you know that things are starting up all over the planet? That the, the JPL has an experienced design team. They're trying to, you know, get a thing going. And could you imagine this architecture company called Gensler? They're doing, they're starting a thing up. And okay, that's part A. Then, so I went home. I immediately looked it up. Uh, I was like, oh, shit, look at this, a job posting, two days old. They have a new DXD thing. They're trying to figure out what it is. I wonder if I can apply for it. I said all this to my wife, um, Hillary, who she just, she just, she was like, Kinsley, Kinsley, Kinsley. Why do I know that name? Oh, shit, right. So hard left over here to a side story. Uh, she is the uh, librarian and archivist at the Writers Guild Foundation. Uh, super awesome, tiny library focused on scripts and screenwriting. And she had had uh, her boss like dumped an intern on her a couple years earlier. I didn't want an intern shit. We're going to have some. It's a friend of my boss's. Like, she, this guy just wants his daughter to have an internship. I don't want, you know, someone who doesn't want to be here. Grumble, grumble, grumble. But then that girl ended up being wonderful. They were fast friends. Um, Hillary said, wait a minute, Gensler, that's where Olive's dad works. So ah, the inn. The inn. So she asked her boss to ask her friend, hey, can you tell this guy anything about Gensler? I sent him an email. All I was asking is, hey, can you give me a, a, a view of the landscape? Like, what is this place? Can you tell me about Gensler? And he said, oh, my God, your application. This is perfect. I'm going to send it to Rob. And I was like, I had an interview the next day and I was hired a week later. Like, it was just like, wow, like just, you know, the universe was in alignment in that moment. And like between Sometimes me things line up like going that, to man. Facebook, talking to the aggrieved freelance producer about, you know, yada, yada, yada. It just, I don't know. It was meant to be. Sometimes things just line up like that. You're right. I feel like you can't force, you can't force things in life. And when you're ready for a change, when you're ready for something to happen, things line mm -hmm. up like they're supposed to. And oftentimes it's not how you expected, but in the end it puts you where you are. And if you're a, if you're a good person, if you're cool, if you're doing cool shit, then you end up in the right place. Yeah. And Damn right. Well, thank clearly, you for inferring that I'm a good person. I, I think, you know, it's, I think we most try. people, yeah, I think most people, well, I'd like to think most people that I'm, I'm like, bringing on this podcast are cool people doing cool things. And, you know, most mm -hmm. of them are, in, are in cool, cool places doing that enable them you, to do um, cool things. You, you've brought some pretty great folks on the show. I was listening to some back episodes and like, it's just, it's so easy to forget that we're a small community. 
Oh, I know. And like just everyone that you bring on is so passionate and just cares. Just we just all want to do the the good work that makes the world better. We just want to make cool stuff, man. We want to make magic. That's what this is. Stuff, and we are. So all is the long way around to say that what I'm excited about is at Gensler, we have been doing this grand experiment, winning hearts and minds. We have buy-in from the very, very, very top of this giant organization, and we have grassroots happening at the, you know, local actually doing shit level. And in between were 5,000 architects who have no idea what to make of us. And by spending the last few years just absolutely grinding and doing a shit ton of really strong work, we started to win hearts and minds. We started, we, oh, that's why I brought up the pandemic. Uh, you know, two years ago, Gensler had a huge round of layoffs. Every job froze. Every client said, oh shit, we don't know what to do with buildings right now. They're empty. Let's rethink this in December. And like, it was real bad, but we just through vicissitudes of fortune and the nature of the work that we were doing, and we were lucky enough to have clients that were a little bit visionary like they all saw it as a moment okay everyone's out of our building let's do some crazy shit right now yeah and we were the most profitable fastest growing most stable like business unit if you want to think about it in those terms gensler's whole like philosophy is about diversifying so that when shit goes weird in you know southeast asia they don't have to close down the southeast asia office because they can you know reshuffle and we were among the groups that were keeping the place afloat for a while. And so now, to a certain extent, assuming we don't screw it up, we you know, got to be like the golden child for a while. And we're just now starting to get the resources. We've won the hearts and minds. Like I'm building a lab. Like we're moving back to the office and we got invited into the cool part of the building. Wow. And like <laughs> we're starting to get access to clients at the beginning of projects where instead of, hey, we saved you a wall, hey, can you help us win this pitch? Right. We're really starting to do it. I'm also really pushing for changing our culture around collaboration outside of Gensler, outside of the building, which is something that architectural practices don't normally do. Well, it we seems like you guys grow do without actually have, sharing. You, you guys do have robust relationships with uh, with other providers. You have to, because in the end, you guys are designing, but you're not producing all of the pieces. Right. So you, you have to have relationships outside of the building. So those are like vendor relationships, but they're very open and very collaborative and very welcome to co-designing. But it's still our designs. And I'm trying to change even that if I can. Like bring in Max Cooper and just like make, I mean, Max Cooper, if you're listening, like call me. Uh, but like, you know, bring in like visionary media artists who are working in spaces that I care about and like co-design a space. Like let's inhabit, yes. uh, let's inhabit a cooler place than our clients are bringing to us. Let's do some self-initiated projects. Let's show the world who we are. Let's enter some design competitions. So Man, that's you know, what I'm excited about. That's what's starting to change. That's cool. That's, that's music to my ears, man, because I would love – I would love to work on a large format light sculpture with you guys. I think that would be amazing. Uh, well, right yeah, up our wheelhouse. We you and like we can like I know what you're capable of, and I know what you're capable, and I know the stories you're capable of telling, not just in the work but like in the pitch room. Like well, I know how you can win hearts and minds. Yeah, it's an emotional, emotional story. 
yeah, it's it's a it's a narrative, but it's really all about setting vibe, setting tone, and you know, when you're in a really monumental space, and you have this this enormous um, sculptural piece, it 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 really defines the space, you know, it, it and it defines creates... your relationship to the space, and it makes yeah. a moment and a feeling. Absolutely, absolutely. So Our, what are um, operations that, that giant, Oh, no, you go, you go. I could, I could just keep are, riffing on that forever. No, no, no. I mean, what are, I'm just curious. What are some collaborations that you're excited about? Like, who are you working with in the industry that you're, you're stoked for? Like, who are some people right now that you're like, wow, I'm stoked I'm working with these guys or these girls? Yeah, well, not enough. Not, we're not doing enough collaboration yet. I'm stoked about all the ones that I want to set up. But So right now, all of our collaborations are with vendors and clients. But, oh, shit, I really want to talk to you about one, and I can't. I could can be circumspect. Um, so we um, – this sounds very – I mean, this is not true to my former – you know, self as a, you know, subversive weirdo who hates capitalism, but like I'm starting to love giant media companies because like some of their executives are taking really huge risks with us and doing some next level shit. And so I'm really excited for those kinds of projects. I'm really excited for the people that we're bringing in, just individual artists not big name artists like I want to bring in um, and we'll get there, but like even just our team that we're growing, we're starting, we're starting to pull in people from the architecture practice. So like we're major. doing this job for a, uh, a major video game company that you've heard of where among other things and we're doing some pretty cool lobby installations and this and that, but we're actually doing uh, on a small scale, we're doing our first actual architecture. We're building them an arcade in their office and it's a, um, it's not an arcade cabinet like, you know, Flynn's arcade kind of retro thing. It's more of a um, 6v6 tournament play, like if you were going to do a Fortnite or a Call of Duty tournament. So, yeah. um, But it's a room dedicated to that. And there's this, if you can imagine, this long table. It's got six, you know, screens on one side, six on another, but there's nothing touching the table itself. There's little cubbies you can open and the keyboard, mouse, video game controllers are all tucked away in there. And then up above, there's a cage where they've got PlayStations, Xboxes, PCs, you know, 12 of each of those. And they're all up in this kind of latticework cave so you can see all the blinky lights and everything. And then there's the monitors descend down from there on these, you know, hydraulic posts. And so it's just this, like, sexy gaming environment. And the room itself is really nicely designed and feels cozy but edgy it's got like acoustic ribbed paneling around it that has this really cool look all the furniture is custom like we're actually designing it's the first time that we've gone full circle and we're designing the space that our stuff goes in dude so, i gotta show you something man later later on after this call we okay. just developed some like it's this custom acoustic paneling but it's mm -hmm. a facade panel and it's oh, yeah. from within so it's this it's just incredibly trippy. I'll show you video of it and you'll understand I need to see it, yeah. into a space, man. It's like, um, it's, it's, it's three-dimensional form turned mm -hmm. into, um, a light sculpture, which acts as acoustic paneling. You're speaking cool. my language. That is so, that is so cool. We're, um, we're also starting to collaborate with, uh, okay. So let me tell you about a, a major streaming platform you've heard of that is large enough that they're starting their own 
animation studio. Um, and we did a piece for them with Oat Funk. You know the company that makes the split flaps? Yeah. You know, the little, they make the tiny ones that are letters that you would use like in a train station, but they also make these larger ones called picture flaps. Mm-hmm. And this one is like so fundamental to like my approach to the philosophy of how we work, even though it doesn't look like it's not a screen. It doesn't look like our traditional like DXD, like move a bunch of pixels around. Um, but it is, it was such a great collaboration with them that they let us build this thing. So, so Oat Foundry makes a product. It's a, it's a picture flap. It's a 12 inch by 12 inch, you know, split flap display where you load it with like a Rolodex of 30 images. And to show the next image, you know, you would you, you turn the wheel and like the top card folds down. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you can see me moving my hands. Anyone who's listening can look up what a split no, flap split, display split flap is. display. They're very yeah. they're very Googleable. And so normally they, you know, they'll do an array of like three by four and put it in a like a you know flower shop or a shoe store or something and like you know here's our season's thing. It's like a way to show thirty posters. And it comes yeah. with a little web app so that you can say, okay, go to the next slide. And it, do, 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 do. we totally hijacked their firmware. We asked them to make a custom size that was nine inch by nine inch so that we could do an array of 24 wide by seven high to make a cinemascope aspect ratio. The animation company gave us these bonkers ass high resolution promotional images from their show, 30 of them. And we gutted the firmware and built an animation, it's for an animation studio, it's showing animation work. And so instead of hitting the red button and it does the clock wipe transition, we turned the transitions between images themselves into an animation platform. Had, so does uh, it like I, I rapidly a, flap like a flip book or something? Or? They can do that. Well, no, it's not that you're trying to do a flip book to show all the images. It's that you can do this beautiful cascade as you... It's just transitioning from one image to the next, but it slowly ripples from left to right. Or another one does a sort of zigzag back and forth, and when it gets to the center, it sort of bursts and shows the next image. Or, or like if there's an image of a girl peeking around from behind the door, we can do a radial wipe, but right from her face. So wait, wait, wait. Tell me again, how does this differ from just a screen, though? It, it, it's mechanical, and it actually rotates, it's yeah? It's mechanical. So each of 168 individual units are individually controlled. So I could tell the array of all 24 by seven of them go to the next image and they would all go chunk and you would see them all each flap together and show you the next image. But we, I built a whole pipeline in After Effects where you could animate in a grayscale sort of canvas to specify exactly the timing of when each flap flips. So you can imagine Oh, it's cool that's the transition. Yeah, and that's the transition, transition from mechanical. one to the next. Oh, yeah. that's cool. That's super cool. And so it's animation on like three different levels. We're showing animation, you know, it's, we're animating the transitions between them, and it's in the lobby of an animation studio. Like it's just, and it's that's just very perfect. so beautiful. It just like washes over you as you stand there. I want to see And then on the hour, it does a whole big, I, I, I cannot. It is super secret because this client is all. That's the biggest downside. I work on. The, I'm, I'm used to two weeks being a long timeline, and I'm on these projects for like two years, and I can't show anything until the very yeah. end. Yeah, no, I but, hear that. Know, man. That's, we'll that's the nature of that's the nature of architecture, though. You yeah, know, that's, that's that's also the uh, it's the Achilles heel. 
you know, to play in this world, to pl- I was talking to, to uh, Patrick about this earlier today. If you, if you play in this world, you have to have longevity. You have to be able to hold on for like two years while and the you project- have to stay nimble. You yeah. have to work like super fast. For, you have to sprint a marathon. Yeah, it's about longevity. It's about endurance, man. It's an endurance mm-hmm. race. And it, you know, mm-hmm. some, sometimes that can feel like a grind, but it's also super rewarding because you get to play in these arenas where, you know, if you're working on the stage, the stage is pretty prescribed. It's like there are mm-hmm. certain technologies, there's certain forms that are applicable for the stage. And I don't see the stage really breaking out of that because of the nature of it. You know, it's like, it's big squares, trusses. It's like, it's, it's gotta there's be some cool shit in that world. And they're pushing that envelope, but you're right. It's still contained in a certain, like, approach. not like architecture, man. Architecture <laughs> is a wide open book. You can be creative with architecture in a way that you cannot be, in my opinion, creative with yeah. stage, you know, and I came yeah. from that world. I get it. It's like, it's the same way you grew out of the 2D square, right? You were like, mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do with a 2D square. And I can tell you're really excited about kinetics. It's, it's funny oh to my hear God. Talk, like all of these projects. You're like, there's a lot of kinetics in your world right now. And it's, it is an exciting thing, but you can't do that in a movie. No, <laughs> I mean, you, you can show, you can, you can fake, you can fake having filmed such a thing existing. Yeah, like it's different being there. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about the one. Okay, so here's one I'm really excited about. I can't name any names. I have to be circumspect again. But for a very large hotel and entertainment complex that's going up in Southern California, doesn't exist right now. Oh, I can say the city. It's going to go up right in the like on the bay in San Diego. It's oh, going nice. to be a hotel with a concert venue in it. They want the whole thing to be what what we're calling transitional Art Deco. So it's got like, you know, it looks like the uh, posters from the Boz Lerman, Great Gatsby kind of vibe. Um, and I have pitched them, so this process was super cool. Uh, the, the, the architecture team came to us because, oh my God, because of the Atari Hotel. Have I even told you about that one? That one, just look up Atari Hotel at some point and look at the, this was an entirely ground up creative process. that We didn't even build the building. Like it was just, fanciful but it made huge waves what? Um, this is what happens where with the architect this? it's in it's in idea space it's going to be in vegas i think is where it might end up okay so this is um, this is this does not exist this is like a does not exist but what you're looking at right there which i can see in the giant mirror behind you yeah, yeah. Screen, those were architectural renderings um this architect that we have this guy named hogan chung built like designed a beautiful form of a building Sent it to me, and he said, "Go crazy in After Effects, make some shit." And so, yeah. But then this we turned around, this... and that's their pitch package, and they're they're getting it funded and built. Like that. Are really you fucking exists. kidding me? Oh my god! This I mean, is so you know, cool. I mean, it's as sure as anything else in this world. I don't know, but like, well, it this is, belongs it's in the metaverse. Talk about talk yeah. about like talk about a fucking yeah. This is a <laughs> this is really cool. But that's that's another thing is that you know you there's all of this excitement about virtual space. And I really Mm -hmm. see a lot of promise between taking virtual concepts and creating tie-ins with the real world. Yeah. I'm all about like making real physical digital experiences. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's only so far you can go in a headset. So this this Mm -hmm. hotel is, uh, is. This is both. This is going to be, it's going to be all of it. Yeah, man. This is, 
straight out of snow crash, but it's very much, you know, oh, that makes me really happy to hear that. So, 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 so I'm taking that one further into real reality with this new project. What, uh, oh, the reason I brought up the Atari hotel is that the pitch process was architects been doing some great stuff, but like the way that the interiors part of architecture works is, you know, like anything else, you start with a mood board, you start with your Pinterest board of finishes and like, these are built projects in other parts of the world, but this is like how we're going to approach you know, entries, and this is how we feel the lighting is going to be, and these are some, like, interesting stonework finishes, and, like, do you like this vibe? And so the night before the pitch, we had done a bunch of design work, but, like, I wasn't really happy with, like, the story of the pitch of it, so yeah. I took a bunch of their just sh shit they pulled from the internet, and I did After Effects work on top of that, so I took uh -huh. this elevator cab that was all, like, bits of marble, and I just VFX magic into that photo so there's the staircase that as you ascend it all the little vertical railings have led embedded in it like it just like effervesces with little sprinkles of light as you as you descend the staircase and things like yep. that but the one that has me the most jazzed is behind if you can imagine behind the reception desk you know on that back wall where you know it's usually some big sculpture or something kind of a shallow bas relief or some kind of a dumb sunflower sculpture or whatever yep. um, Imagine if that is a single slab of marble, but it's been water jet cut into strips, maybe 10 strips. I mean, so, so there's the, there's the, on the left and right, there's the main slabs of marble, but towards the center, there are 10 strips, maybe, you know, eight inches wide each. Each of those strips is on a linear actuator. Each one can only move up and down. Yeah. System. This place is right on the bay. All of our motion is sort of ocean themed as a system. You can express waves, sine waves, and all kinds of beautiful forms that propagate through the system of ten of these. Dude, each you're describing you're describing a kinetic version of the thing I was just talking to you about. That's yeah, what we built, yeah. but it's not out oh, of marble. Shit. We did our tech demo with just you know material, you know like like plastic coated MDF. Um, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, but uh -huh. the way that light expresses through this, the, mm -hmm. the each of those flaps is is articulated so the whole panel okay, is a waveform yeah. and those yeah, waveforms, you gotta show me that they stack together into a long long facade piece and just the way oh, that it. light plays through these flaps it is so trippy man but if you look up the back level, lit well you, i mean the way you take it to the next level is you just have really rich clients so like well, i'm yeah, really well, lucky you, in that way you do this with Corian. There's a guy who's doing ridiculous mm -hmm. Corian carvings. And I've been knocking on his door. I'm like, homie, we need Show to up. light those things. And yeah. you need to let us come in and create lighting effects behind these Corian panels that you're carving. Yeah. It is art. So if you look up backlit Onyx, the next level after we get the, uh, the mechatronics in there is that these things are actually going to be cut super thin and oh, yeah, then, yeah. you know laminated yes. to, to glass or plastic and then i put low res led behind it and it becomes a diffusion panel right but and then like, you animate that and then that and i becomes... animate that over the course of an hour it does a sunrise sunset cycle yep 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 i also i'm also a huge believer in the sort of pen and teller approach to like bring bring out the big guns spend all the money on all the technology do a huge amount of work and then use 10 percent of that capability you know, so well, so am because, I. Dude. That's called subtlety, and that is the nature of good yeah, art. When you yeah. have mastery over an art form, then subtlety becomes and nuance become 
the the art form. It's like you can tell people who are mature in their in their artistic career when it's not all flash and trash when they're able to create beautiful mm-hmm. art using subtlety. And that's uh, I think that's the mark of a true a true artist. Somebody who's I hope I master- hope to get there, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's well. I think that it's a journey, and the further you go down that road, the more subtle and nuanced and intricate your art can become. Oh, you know the um the artist who I named my my I I, no, you didn't meet Madison. I just showed you pictures. I've got a a two and a half year old, and the artist his middle name is is named after a good friend of my dad's named Tom Etherton. If you ever look up his work, actually, it's hard to look up because it's impossible to photograph. But he did. He was contemporaries with all those other guys, and he would make these spaces that just were unreal. And that's all it was. It was just a space to be in. So mm-hmm. the reason I'm bringing that up is that the way they would achieve it, he, he made the space that feels like, if you imagine looking down at a pair of parentheses and extruding that up, so you're in between two curved walls, but it doesn't form a circle. It kind of forms a kind of ellipsish kind of space. He built the space where those walls are luminous. It was out of a stretch fabric. It was the early seventies. They didn't have blue LEDs, so right. they. So my dad is the like art preparer, and he just spent thousands of hours like just like putting gels on like light bulbs, and then just inching them like an inch closer, an inch further back, and like just doing whatever it took on the outside of the volume that you're in, so that when you're inside, you just see this perfect field of blue. Yeah, it was floor to ceiling with like maybe a couple inches of black, you know, above and below. The ceiling is black. The floor is black. You have to put in little booties to go in there so that you don't make scuff marks on the floor that suddenly show you where the floor is. Right. You just go in and zen out in a space where you can't tell where the horizon is. You can't tell where the walls are. And Tom said that the moment he knew his art was successful was, you know, all these all these luminaries were in there scratching their chins and, like, writing about it and saying, oh, yes, this is achieving certain goals. A four-year-old girl went in there. After a couple minutes, she just really slowly squatted down and reached down to, like, find the floor with her hands. Uh-huh. I was like, yes, I've done it. Yeah. And, yeah, the reason, the reason I bring that up is that now you can go to any, like, sign shop in Koreatown and get the most beautiful, perfect blue light. But back but like, then, it was rare, and the rarity, the scarcity, rare. the scarcity and, and the difficulty of making that piece yeah. made, it, made it unique. And now the ease of it means that they just, you know, they throw, you know, taco truck signs at you. There's this beautiful screaming blue, but, like, it's not art. It's not thoughtful. It's not – so well, it's art, not that it art has to be ephemeral. difficult. Art is ephemeral, and it, it exists within a time. And, you know, like Nam June Pike, right? His, mm-hmm. his, uh, his art was using cathode ray tubes and televisions. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that was so groundbreaking then. And it's been mimicked many times. And he was, you know, Being he was an original of, though. It still has that power. It does. It does, yeah. man. Because it's, uh, you know, it, he was a master of the craft. And he was also one of the first technology-based artists that mm-hmm. I was that I was really attracted to and and aware of, um, but yeah, oh, the... I got I got one about technology based artists. I do I, I used to do a lot of work, and I hope to do more work with an artist named Cameron McNow. Uh, actually, the, the the piece that gave me the bug to leave most to like make it my mission to actually leave the motion graphics nest was working on a project with him. Um, he, he he's a trained architect and, a, and an artist. Uh, he's got a small practice called Electroland. Does really like lovely, lovely work. But he 
he's also just one of those like awesome like art school assholes who will just tell you when something's shit yeah. and like no apologies about it you know as long as he's right but like he just I, I i was talking to him and i said the word tech artist and he said fucking tech artist they don't know how to wrap any of their wires they don't know how to make a statement all they want to do is pull you into their office show you a contraption point at it and say look i made it jump right and That's like funny. nobody cares that you made a thing jump like why did it jump how does it jump like how beautiful is the jump? What does the jump make you think about and feel? What's and the like story? it was, and it was, and I mean that's that's like art school one one. But it was really the first time that anyone had essentially, you know, psychically slapped me across the face and say, "Hold on, no one cares that you're clever. No one gives a shit how good at engineering you are. If you're an artist, you got to make art." Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very true, man. I was talking to my friend Forrest Stearns. He's actually a graffiti artist, but he's um he is like a true, true artist, you know, and he works for the city and he, he does like public art installations. And he was telling me that, you know, art is really a conversation. It's a, it's a conversation between the artist and the viewer. And that art is really the, like, it is only what it makes the viewer emote, how it makes that viewer feel. That's that yeah. art. And that's how art captures you is through um, evoking an emotional response and, and having an unspoken conversation with that art piece and an individual viewer and yeah successful popular art is art that manages to capture the collective conscious of many people of this of society and that's your challenge and my challenge as people who are working for a living you know in commerce like i missed i i, I it didn't work out i happened to miss the boat of being a professional fine artist that's fine. Like still in my heart of hearts, that's what drives me. And like finding subversive ways to make commercial work meaningful to the one kid in a day who happens to stop in that lobby and spend some time looking at that split flap display and like feel the sensorial experience of being in the room with it. Like that's, that's what I've got to live for now. Like yeah. finding ways to make it be art even when no one asked for it. That's interesting. So, I mean, that's what you did with that, with that staircase that you may or may not have been allowed to tell me about. Like, yeah, no, no, no. It's definitely, you know, that was a, that was a labor, but it was also, um, it was a sculptural piece. It was, it, you know, the message is emotional. There is no contextual message there. It's all about the flow of light and, and contrast and, and shadow and, and color and how it interplays with like the natural uh, material uh, of the wood that it's embedded in. Uh, mm -hmm. I love that project. I, I live for those kind of projects, man. You know, mm -hmm. I, I like, I like contextual displays and, and media walls can be done very beautifully, but you know that, you know how you were describing cinema as being stuck in the square. I, I almost feel like my art comes through in much more abstract ways and you know and it, it really comes through in embedding animated lighting into a building in order to evoke an emotional response you know all that shit from video games when you put like the last stone in the temple and like it starts to come alive and like yeah we can we can do that now I know. Or sacred spaces that are, you know, just humming with a thousand years of ancient energy. Like you can, we can just do that now. 
I know, like, we can make places that feel like things and it's goddamn energizing. It's yeah. what I, it's what I get up for now in the morning. And it's rare, like with your staircase, it's rare to get that gig, but like keeping that in your heart at all times means even when you've got a Silicon Valley firm talking to you about their, you know, kaleidoscope metaphor for a space, we need to get this much messaging in there so that mm-hmm. our ad words can like, Oh my God. You turn it around and you say, okay, yeah, we're going to hit all those marks. But like, let me make you something that feels good. Yeah. So do you have, at this point, does the DXD department have, how is it structured? Are there designers in the DXD department other than you that are ideating and creating um, interesting creative uses of technology to achieve like narrative goals, but doing it in a creative way? Are you free? Yeah, and and like art? I'm not I'm not I'm not technically a designer. I just like never shut up, and so my design work gets in there. But yeah, we have uh, there's there's 15 of us now here in LA. Uh, so it'd be 16. Uh, we have a design director, and we have uh, now I think a table of three just like full time like architectural space designers who know Rhino and CAD and all those tools. Uh, we also have a UX strategist. We have a connected experiences director. We have several what we don't call producers. We call them design managers. Um, and you know, there's two creative technologists. There's me and there's my mini me kid named Sam Gotchman, who's super brilliant. But he's he's, he's junior, but you know, he's like really punching above his weight. Yeah. And we do all the design really cohesively. We all get in the room together at least at least when we can. Like we design it really collaboratively and then we break into our individual roles, but like we will take a brief, we'll workshop it. We'll do our charrettes. We'll throw uh, ideas at each other and challenge each other. And, you know, our, our boss, Rob, who's been promoted to a high like principal position now, so we don't get to see him as much. He'll come in and like do that art school asshole, like, you know, tough critique. You guys like, why doesn't it feel like anything? You know, that sort of thing. I yeah. invite you to step back from the design. Like, you, you shouldn't be designing it. You need to be designing your problem first. You need to be designing the problem to solve rather than working on, like, the edge corners, the edge conditions of that pavilion. You know, like, we, we, we just we make it work. We really – we don't have it as stru- – everyone we, we're structured in terms of the titles everyone has, but we are we are a very fluid creative process. Yeah, that's, that's really cool, man. That's um... – that sounds like a very healthy environment. It sounds like a, a, a good environment to, to manage these kinds of projects. Um, yeah, and I want to keep as, it feeling small as long as I can. As, as, your, as your thing grows, you're going to have to bring on more like essentially, I can't remember what you called them, but like project managers and directors mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. guide, the, guide the flow of these projects. Yeah, um, and then my job, I'll be less on the box on each job and my job will now will at that point be more of like a spirit animal. You know, just making sure everyone remembers to care. <laughs> oh, um, man. But it's going to be fine. I'm building out this lab not just as a physical place to do prototyping, but I want it to be a, 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 a cultural space. I want to bring in guest lecturers. Actually, I want to bring in you and uh, and the One Hat guys separately or together, however you want to do it, just to do a, you know, one of those vendor presentations, a lunch and learn, but also like, sure, come in, show your like qual deck and everything and show some work, but like just the way that you talk about work 
yeah. the way that you talk about the philosophy of what you do, I think that could be really energizing for everybody again. Dude, me and Nick like, talk really well together. Me and Nick Moser. We're actually doing I've this. Uh, I mean, I haven't this. seen it. I haven't seen it on stage, but I've just I've seen your vibe. We present at most of the conferences. We do a digital placemaking presentation together, and it's we he he is the fabrication side of you know the 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 art that we do. It's like it's the yin and yang. It's like you've got mm-hmm. the physical and you've got the digital, and those two mm-hmm. things need to mesh into a physical digital experience. And that's, that's mm-hmm. how one hat and, you know, and digital ambience work together very well. Um, but it's really, it's, it's like Nick and my friendship, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's all that it all ever boils down to. I, I have saved two projects from like really big disasters just because of maintaining those friendships with the clients, like, or with the partners. I, I don't know, whatever. I'm not wearing my client relationship hat as they call it but like i don't give a fuck about like building giant stuff for lots of money i just want to do cool stuff with cool people and it's very hard it's a very hard way to be a professional in this world to maintain your naivete yeah and to, like stay vulnerable but like it's worth it like every no, time i, I get screwed yeah it, it pays off you know by having wonderful things happen five times more often yeah, I, I believe in that. I really do. And I think that that's, um, you know, it might not be the like the most ruthlessly efficient way to grow a business, but it's the only way that I want to grow my business. Yeah. Like I want to be friends with my clients. I want to be friends with the people I'm working with uh, because that's when, you know, um, the most amazing work happens. And then you feel good about what you're doing, you know? I'm right. Yeah, absolutely. Right, well, I'm looking at the clock and thinking about having to go home and feed a kid that well let's sounds let's like do a it, really man. high note to end on but no, like... no no this this definitely is and i'm really i really appreciate you taking an hour and 15 minutes to just jam with me and hang out because it's good God, to like so to so much likewise like so i'm really glad that you i mean when you when you said that you had a podcast and you wanted you know me to come talk on it like i didn't i didn't think you were blowing smoke up my ass but like i wasn't expecting such a thing <laughs> and like it's just it's it's so nice just to be able to talk about this work uh everything you do and everybody you talk the, the world that you swim in like it's so supportive like hearing your other podcasts like i i'm not dude who's been like adjacent to history like i yeah. was there like you know i used to hang out with g monk before he was g monk like i've known all of these kids like i watched bot and dolly happen like i was at uh, you know, like I knew kids from Obscura, but I never worked there. I was at V squared labs, like right at their height of their, like, I've been, I've been so like tied to this industry for so long without like being in the meat of it. It's yeah. so nice to just hear this community still existing and still supporting itself and like still just being full of passionate, creative people. Well, dude, it, it's, it's, it is a community because we, you know, when we get to know each other, hear each other's stories, like we're doing right now, that's, that's what makes it a community. So mm-hmm. I'm stoked that you were on. Um, I will be in touch. I want to show you some of the things that we're doing and um, let's just keep on jamming. I love it. Rob, thanks again. This was super fun um, to be continued. Let's keep the conversation going. I mean, we don't need to make people listen to it, but like, let's just let's keep talking and having fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, David. Have a good night, man. Talk to you later. Yeah, you too.